listening to Tasmanian Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, present, and future events. Learn how to study the Bible more effectively, get to know who God is and why we're here and where we are going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, David, and today we have David. So for today, I'm Leo, and Pastor David Maxwell is Max, joining us from Launceston on his series, The Teachings of Jesus Lost and Found. Welcome, Max. How you going, Leo? Good to see you today. Well, good to hear you anyway. It's really good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you with us. Uh, and each week you'll be sharing a different psalm for our listeners. So which one do you have for us today? Yeah, thanks, Leo. Uh, today I've got Psalm 32, and I'm just going to read a portion of Psalm 32. And as I as I read this psalm, I, I, I really enjoy this psalm, and there's a number of reasons why. But let me read the first part. I'm reading from the New King James, Psalm 32, and verse 1 to 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I have said I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And it says silah, which means like peace, amen, that mm. sort of thing. And it's really, uh, it's a really important passage here, I think. It would appear that this psalm is written after King David was forgiven for his sin with Bathsheba and her husband. And he did some terrible things there, really did. You know, we wouldn't condone any of the things that he did. But here, when he, he's made known by the prophet Nathan what he did, or reminded of what he did, um, he recognises God's goodness and how freeing confession and forgiveness is. Um, I think the way he explains in verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. You know, when we've done something wrong, sometimes even when God forgives us, we know he's forgiven us. Mm. We can't change what's happened. You know, we can't go back and make amends for what's, what we've done. And it eats us up, that guilt, you know, eats us up. But the hardest person to forgive often is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this, when I, when I see this, um, you see the confidence that David has in the psalm in that you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That word iniquity means rebellion, rebellion of my disobedience, if you like, or my breaking of your law. So you forgave the rebellion that I had. So he was turned against God when he was doing this because he knew what he was doing. And and so I uh, I see this psalm is a really good lead in for today's program. Like, so so it's a psalm that I really enjoy because it it shows that when I've done something wrong, not to feel not to feel like I have to hide it, not to feel like I can't tell God about it, but to come to Him and tell Him and uh, you know lean on Him for forgiveness and for renewal and um, things to do to go and make it right. 
and ask him for the strength to do that. So I feel it's really good for this, the, the, the title of today's program, The Lost Son. We're speaking about someone who was lost on purpose, um, but, but he was redeemed when he returned to his senses and sought his father's forgiveness, which you'll see shortly. Yeah, you know, you, you, you've had siblings growing up, and mm. uh, so have I, and uh, one of the things that happened to us, I don't know if it ever happened to you, Dave, with your siblings, but they catch you out doing something wrong and they use it as blackmail oh. for you to do the dishes and for you oh, to tidy their everything. bed. And, uh, and the one thing that you have to do is just confess to Don't dad and mum. That was me yeah. that uh, broke your vase, mum. You know, that was the, <laughs> this is why, and, and that confession frees you <laughs> from yeah. all the burdens of having to take it on. So yeah, yeah, that, there's, yeah. A, there's freedom in confession. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It's so, a great story. That's what yeah, you, it that's is. you're about to jump into. That's right. That's right. So when we review what we did last, uh, the first week in this Lost and Found series, it was the Lost Coin, mm -hmm. we learned that God cares about us so much. He does all that he can to save even those who are lost inside his house and don't even know it. So in the church sometimes people are lost, but they don't even know it. Um, then last week we looked at the lost sheep. And we learned that God cares about all his sheep so much that, uh, which actually means people, of course, that, that he doesn't wait for them to come to him. He goes out to find those who are accidentally or unintentionally lost and he tries to bring them back. This mm. was a message of real encouragement, I felt, to those who uh, were like that, but also a rebuke to those who should have been doing this for other people. Right. And then today, in a moment, when you recap a few things, we'll we'll uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today. Mm. So when you refer to those series, for those uh, that aren't aware, we have a Faith FM app that you can uh, download or go to our website, and you can hear those past episodes that David just referred to, the the Lost Sheep last week and before that, the, the Lost Coin. So... Um, Make sure you jump on that if you want to put all of these into context and see the way that the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us as He promised us. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to have a big shout out to Joanna today. I believe she's first time on the app oh, and great. she's listening this morning. So, hi, Joanna, if you're there and you're listening. Hey, great to have Text you, Joanna. Yeah, yeah. Great <laughs> to have you. So, you have a, a question for us. I do. I'll get to the question in a sec. And, okay. and what we have today is the teachings of Jesus lost and found. That's the, the series title. And today we're looking at the lost son. And this mm -hmm. is looking at the next story Jesus told about a son that was purposely lost and what the father did to restore him. But first, before the break, uh, as, we, as you've mentioned, I do have a question. So the question today is, have you ever known about God? but walked away only to later return like the prodigal son? If so, how did it feel? Because many, many people have a story like this. Even if they've never actually left, uh, you know, an organised religion, in their heart they know there was a time when they were connected with God and then they were disconnected. Mm. So for me, I want to give my, um, I guess you call it a testimony, I suppose, really quickly. I love testimonies. Yeah, I think they're great. I love hearing them. So I just briefly give mine. Um, I've got three minutes, so I think I can do it in two. Let's do it. Yeah, I was first baptised when I was 14. Uh, our local pastor uh, followed up a Billy Graham crusade back in the 80s. And the following year after I was baptised, so I was baptised when I was 14, I think I heard this about 13 and a half, um, then I was baptised. The following year, just before I turned 15, 
sorry, just after I turned 15, uh, I joined the Air Force. Uh, and within one year, I'd allowed them to beat my faith out of me. You know, it's very, very hard for a young person to stay faithful to God in the military. It can be done, but I suggest you want to be, you know, really careful if that's the direction you want to take. So for six years, I walked my own path. Uh, it was filled with sadness, disappointments, addictions and loneliness and all kinds of terrible things. And, and then I had a number of revelations from God about his presence. Uh, I, I began searching in earnest to find God again because these were really personal experiences. And I knew it was outside of myself. Something was happening and I had to investigate that. So when I found his truths, you know, I started studying the Bible for myself and I saw the Bible with new eyes. I, I discovered and I re-studied all the things that I was taught as a youngster and I found that some of them weren't actually biblical. And and some of the key important things were, of course, because we were brought up in a Protestant Christian faith and many of those things were correct and that was great. It was really, really reaffirming to learn those things myself from the Bible. But some of the things weren't exactly biblical. Um, and as I discovered and knew the truths about God, I was actually transformed by his love and grace. And so I chose to follow him faithfully. I felt I was accepted. Um, he helped me overcome all the addictions. He transformed my mind. He transformed my life over the past 36 years and made me who I am today. Mm. And I'm forever grateful for that because I guess I was heading in a pretty bad direction. And so that, that's my story of how I left and came back and I found that God's grace was bigger than all of the problems that I had. So Amen. the listener question again, would you like to read that, Dave? Yes, the listener question, have you ever known about God but walked away only to later return like the prodigal son? What did it feel like to return? would love to hear your response if you could text us on 0488880. Zero nine one, and again, eight nine one. Yes, eight nine one, and you can go to the um, uh, go to the website, Faith FM website, or you can download the the app to uh, listen to past episodes. We've got a, a text from Joanna, so she is listening. She's mo morning, Max and Leo. First time tuning in from Launceston. Excited to be here. Was literally typing this message as you gave me a shout out. So Excellent. good to have you, Joanna, and um, and, and hear you on hear that and you are listening. And we want to hear anything, anything that people would like to text in. Um, if it's appropriate, we can share it. If not, we'll, we'll just receive your text. That'll be great. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to get a break. This first song is a song from Bill and Gloria Gaither, and it's called I Have Returned. Like the prodigal son, I long for my loved ones, for the comforts of home, and the God I outgrew. I have returned to the God of my childhood, Bethlehem's Eternal deity 
child could know Oh, I just heard a shout From the angels in glory Praising the Lord A child has come home I have returned To the God of my to Tess Encounters on Faith FM and we are talking with Max, David Maxwell on the topic of the lost son. So Max, we're continuing our series entitled The Teachings of Jesus Lost and Found with the topic of the lost son. Before the break, you said that today we're going to look at the next story Jesus told about a son that was purposely lost mm. and what the father did to restore him. So how are you going to start us off? Mm, thanks, Leo. Well, today we're going to have a look uh, again at this uh, parable or the parables, the stories, teachings, whatever you want to call them, from the first century context. That's how we're going to look at it first. We're going to learn what Jesus was saying to his listeners. This is a very good 
I have found a very good way to understand what the Bible is saying to us today, to first see what was it saying to the listeners that that uh, heard it the first time, that Jesus was directly speaking to. Now, God is big enough, as I'll mention later, to be able to tell something in the first century that applies to everyone. <clears throat> so he says it, that's one of the reasons he talks in the parables. So then after we analyse that, we'll be able to apply what we learned from this, the teaching or the parable and apply it to ourselves today. But first we're going to pray, <clears throat> and then we're going to read the passage that we're looking at. Sounds so good. let me pray. Let me pray for our listeners. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we still have your word today. And as we have your word and we open it today, please, as you've promised, speak to each listener as they hear what we say, that they might hear your voice rather than ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, Leo, would you mind today, it's a long reading, but I hope that you'd be happy to read it for us in Luke 15, 11 to 32. It's the biggest of the three parables. Um, Yes. Could, well, could you read that for us? I'm happy to read it. Living. And I want to let the listeners know, too, it's a good story to hear. So mm. I'm sure they'd be happy to hear it. So uh, you want me to start now? Yes, please. Okay, Max, let's, let's do it. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. <laughs> so his father mm. agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it, and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead. And has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you, you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed, with, stayed by me and everything I have is yours. 
We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Thanks, Dave. I think we can just about go to a break after that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, it, it's so it's so full, it's so rich, so much has been shared about this particular parable and dug into different kinds of things. We haven't got time to do all that digging today, but I do want to look at what the application for this is in the present context that Jesus is talking to. But first I want to share an illustration called a good lesson because it, it helps it's going to help us to round this the, the this parable overall. When my brother was in year seven at school there was a time when he was uh, because he was really good at maths, he often got bored in class and the teacher, you know, would always be saying I don't know if I should say his name here, but I will. <laughs> Sorry, Gavin. Call him Matt. He often got bored in class. He talked a lot. The teacher would throw things at him like chalk and, you know, dusters. And when he'd throw the chalk, he'd eat the chalk. Oh. And so the teacher would say, Gavin, give us the chalk back. Uh, and he'd go, I can't. I ate it, sir. You know, anyway, so he was, he was a bit like that in, in right. maths class. End of the year, he gets his end of year report, takes it home, gives it to mum and dad. And it had something like this in it. Now, not the exact words but this was the idea gavin would do better in class if he paid more attention or something like that yeah dad puts down the letter he goes into the bedroom he brings out his walking stick <laughs> and he gives gavin the whooping of his life yeah. and we are all watching this right because we've all brought our reports too right Uh oh <laughs> and we are watching this and and i tell you whether it was intended or not the rest of us saw it and i for one said to myself i'm never going to get a report like that <laughs> so perhaps that was the intended purpose of using the walking stick i don't know how hard he hit him with it but i don't know but that's the impression it left on me so here for this parable, this parable, it would appear that Jesus has more than one audience in mind. Mm-hmm. So while he's telling this parable, he's touching more than one person. Right. So the, the parable of the prodigal son has been used to explain how God treats those who walk away and then genuinely return. But I feel there's more to meet than, than meets the eye initially. So one son, just to summarize, one son impatiently wants what's coming to him when the father dies. He says, give it to me now. I want it in advance. He gets it. He leaves. He wastes it. Uh, and then he, he comes into want. He's destitute. There's a famine. He decides, I'm going to go home and be a servant rather than a son. I've, I've spent all my inheritance. So mm. now I have to be a servant. The father sees him coming. He runs to meet him, forgives his wantonness, gives him the royal treatment, if you like. But the older brother who remained home that whole time is indignant at the father's treatment of this brother who'd wasted all the fortune and he's unwilling to forgive his brother or excuse his father's behaviour, both. And that that's a really interesting picture. So the issues at hand in the story are that the younger son, he received his entitlement and he's no longer entitled to anything further of his father's inheritance. That's, right. that's one issue. Mm. The other issue is that the older son is now solely entitled to what remained of his father's wealth. And that's rightly so. Yeah. Right? So he has the double portion. He has two thirds. He, if there's just the two of them, that is, he's entitled to everything else that the father owns. Yes. And uh, it seems he was angry that the father was giving more to this, in his mind, disinherited son. So, yeah, you see, it's, it, it makes sense logically in the human mind. He should does. be treated badly because he's squandered, you know, everything that everything. He, he got. So, come back as 
a servant rather than a son. Yeah, he's not entitled to anything, if mm. he could, even if he did come back. So, so he got his inheritance. He would have got his inheritance when his father died. And if that had happened, the father died and he got the inheritance, then he, the only way he could survive if he'd lost everything was to get by on the graces of the other family members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what the father does, he does something exceptional. And, and perhaps it's the reason why the older brother was angry. Given the father is not dead, the father is still able to control what's left. Though through his great love for the younger son, the father recognises this boy has learned his lesson and he's ready to be accepted back into the family. So rather than granting his wish to become a servant, which was probably the just thing to do, the father shows unmerited favour, unmerited favour or grace. That's what grace is. He didn't deserve it, but the father showed it. Mm. And he accepts him back into the position of a son once more. So if he's once more a son, not a servant, he actually has access again to everything the father owns. So the entitlements that he squandered are being restored. Yes. And, and, and this is an amazing story because it's so, so against in so many mm-hmm. ways of what really should have happened. But That's we'll right. dig into that after the break. Well, before we go to the break, we have actually got a response from the, the question. The question, the listener question was, have you ever known about God but walked away only to later return like the prodigal son? What did it feel like to return? So you can respond on 0488880891. But this is an answer we've got from uh, uh, someone that wants to be anonymous. It said, um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, spent 20 years in the church, then swayed almost the other direction for uh, with the enemy for 13 years felt like all my wrongdoings in all those years were unforgivable uh, by God and was reluctant to try and reconnect fearing that God no longer loved me my friend told me that he always has and always will no matter what happens or what you've done the past three years oh sorry the past three months the enemy has tried to sway me back the other way and I'm leaning in on God's power to keep me and love and guide me as much as I have been tested the past six months since coming back to God, I know he has my back like he always has. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I'm so happy that um, this person has been encouraged. So um, <clears throat> we also have a free book offer coming up as well called uh, David's Triumph. And uh, I'll give you the code very soon. Uh, but make sure to stay in tune and you can text us. Uh, I'll give you a code where you can text us on our number 488 so you can claim that book. Our next song is from uh, Fernando Ortega, Children of the Living God. Beautiful song. Children of the Living God, come and sing, sing out loud. Children of the Living God, sing to the Living God. The wonders he has made, bird in flight, falling rain. Sing of the wonders he has made, sing to the living God. How he loves us with great love, he who sits enthroned above. For our lives he spilled his blood, set his spirit like a flood. 
of His gentle healing hands, how they found the lowliest man. Sing of His gentle healing hands, sing to the living God. Sing of the mercy that He gives, though we sin, He forgives. Sing of the mercy that He gives, sing to the living God. With great love, He who sits enthroned above, for our lives He spilled His blood, set His Spirit like a flood. Children of the living God, sing to the living God. David Maxwell or Max and, and on a series of teachings of Jesus lost and this found. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Oops, came in too early then. And Max has <laughs> been talking about the topic of the lost son. Now, before the break, you were saying that uh, what the father did in this parable or teachings of Jesus was so against what should have happened in the first century application. Can you explain what you meant by that, please? Yeah, surely I certainly can. Uh, in in the parable, the son demands his share of the father's inheritance, and to do that in the in the first century Middle Eastern culture was basically to say to the father, "I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Wow. Give me what's mine, because I don't want you to be my father anymore." Now, if a son did this, the family could and possibly would take him out and stone him. The son, that is. Mm. Take the son out and stone him because he was disrespecting the family or the parents. Even in biblical Israel, uh, this was actually commanded so as to not give the wrong impression about God to other nations. Now, I'd like to, I'd like to read this to you in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 18 to 21. Let me just quickly read that. You'll hear the pages flicking. I've got the real Bible yeah, I open. Can hear that. <laughs> And uh, verse 18 to 21 of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Uh, Let me just find it. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, ooh, what about that today, hey? (laughs) If, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, 
when his father and mother, then his father and mother should take a hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city, and they shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice, he is a glutton and a drunkard, then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall put away this evil from among you, and all of Israel shall hear and fear. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Sure does. <coughs> Yeah, I wouldn't want that to happen today, and we don't do that today. But uh, if they were representing, the reason this was done, um, and, and to give you some clarity on it, that if they were representing God to others, that's what the Israelite nation was supposed to do, and there was no respect or obedience shown in the lineage, in the children, this would give people the idea there was no order or obedience required to God. So they had very, very strict rules for them. This is actually linked to the fifth commandment when it says respect oh, your parents. parents. And, it's, and it's why it says that you may live long on the earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> because Makes if sense. you don't have respect, that's what's going to happen. So that's a really interesting part of that. So <clears throat> the father, though, acts very, very differently in this teaching, in this parable, in opposition to both the scriptural commandment from God himself to those people and the culture of his day, this father shows pure restraint and an unnatural grace to this wayward son. And he gives him just what he asks for. And this shows the incredible love of the father in that he is willing to take the shame of his son's behavior on himself. Mm. He did, they didn't take him out to kill him. You know, they didn't take him to the elders of the city, but he takes the shame on himself and he says, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear this. I'm just going to give him what he wants. And there's no way, though, that this is the beauty of it, there's no way the son himself can ever say he's been hard done by. You know, he's gotten everything that he asked for. He said, I don't want you as my father. That's what he got. He says, I want to do it by myself. Give me what's mine. And he gets everything that he asked for. In effect, he's saying to his father, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. Give me what's, give me what's yours. And the man feels like he's going to be better off without the reliance of his family or his father, and he'd rather live without them. And he's lost on purpose. He makes a purposeful choice. However, once he's wasted everything, he really is on his own mm. because he's cut himself off from his family. To the other brother, he is dead. Mm-hmm. He's dead. He's gone. He's, mm-hmm. he's got what he's deserved. He's got what he should have had. And... Um, and that's really what they should have done, wasn't it? You know, they were supposed to, with the family, with the elders, they take him out and they stone him. Right. So as far as this other son is concerned, <clears throat> this guy's dead. He's gone. So in the prodigal son, or the, the teaching here, it appears that Jesus is addressing the behavior and attitudes of those who once had the oracles of God. This is the Jewish people. So this is the, the prodigal son. Mm. is connected with the Jewish people who have had God's teachings um, or, <clears throat> pardon me, and they've, they've squandered it, if you like. Those are the ones that the leaders were actually calling sinners, the ones that were obviously making mistakes, obviously breaking the commandment. They were sick. They were, you know, all of these things going wrong with them, the common people in Israel. It appears that Jesus is associating them with the younger son. They've, they've, they've gone away. The whole time the younger son was away, it would appear that the father's watching for when he would return. This shows something about 
the father. Mm. <laughs> it says a lot about the father. The story shares that while he was still a great way off, this son that comes to his senses, while he's still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. He forgives him and he runs to meet him um, and welcome him back. Now, in that culture, you know, the, the patriarch of the family doesn't run. He walks. But here he doesn't care. He doesn't care how it looks to him. And he runs to welcome him back. Given that the son was considered dead to the whole family and to the community, the father's actions are understandable because he's no longer dead. He sees him coming. He says, great, I have my son back. It's uncustomary, but it's understandable. The men of the city would have been justified in not receiving him back. They would have said, no, 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 he's cut himself off. Mm -hmm. He's no longer part of the family. Mm -hmm. The father would have been justified in doing what, he's, what the man asks and making him a servant because he says, you used your inheritance. You can just be a slave now. But he doesn't. He doesn't. His actions to this wayward son is a great testament to the, the father's grace, love and long-suffering towards this now repentant and undeserving son. <clears throat> In the behaviour of this father, uh, I, I, seely, I clearly see that Jesus is referring to himself or God the father's response to a wayward person. He doesn't behave like we think he should behave. Right. You know, <clears throat> this once valued, perfect creation in Adam and Eve, the whole human race fell into the category of the prodigal son. On a smaller scale, Israel was God's <clears throat> prodigal son. Yep. And, and, and Jesus says that he's come to save, or he's come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel in Matthew fifteen twenty four. So I see that parallel really good as Israel is a prodigal son. So the father in the parable or the teaching represents God and God celebrates one that's lost that returns. The whole of heaven celebrates with God for the one that returns. So while all this is happening, the older son is quiet. There's no commentary in the Bible at all about what the, the son is, this older son is doing. Perhaps he's thinking, good riddance, <laughs> that good mm. for nothing brother of mine, he's gone, whatever it is. Anyway, besides, you know, the increase that's left that dad and I are going to work on, it's coming to me. So I can work harder now because... We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get it all. I'm gonna get it all eventually. So, what's what's really interesting with that is it doesn't really matter what he's thinking. His attitude towards his brother and his father quickly becomes clear when the father does what he does. Mm. Father's rejoicing, the son's back, yeah, <clears throat> but he won't even refer to him as his brother anymore. Perhaps he's a brother from another mother, you know, like the, the father's there and yeah. there's two wives and, you know, he's the second son, he's from the other right. wife, whatever. I don't know what it is. I don't know what but, it is, yeah, but he won't. Brotherly. He says, this son of yours. Mm. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't say my brother. Yeah. If this was the intent of the story, it would, it would appear that it's reinforcing what Jesus says in John ten sixteen, uh, where he says he has sheep that are not mm, of this fold, right. meaning the Gentiles. So it may be that. It may well be that. But either way, the older son doesn't rejoice. He's resentful. This, this prodigal has wasted everything. And now he's back getting his fingers on what should be his. <laughs> mm. And the selfishness is displayed. So it appears to me that Jesus is likening the behaviour of the older son to the behaviour of the Pharisees, and they were actually resentful that Jesus was spending time with those lesser in society, the That's outcasts, right. sinners, Gentiles, if you like. Yeah, so Jesus was actually giving them an out and you know, representing as the, represented as the father in the parable. He was telling them, 
you know, I'll be loving, gracious, long-suffering, and I'll, I'll be willing to save anyone who comes back to me. Regardless, Regardless of what they've of done. What they've done. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a lot we can learn from this, but I'll wrap it up after the break. Okay, so uh, as we go to the break, uh, there's a book that we have, we're going to offer, and I'll give you the code after the break. It's called David's Triumph by Brad Watson. Things are looking, it's a, it's a story, it's a uh, story for teens, isn't it? Mm. It's a good, it's like a good story. I haven't read it myself, but it, 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 things are looking good up for, uh, looking up for David, another David. His family was <laughs> back together. He had great friends and a new beautiful girl was on the scene, but all of that was about to change. <clears throat> At home, school, in the wilds of a deep canyon, David comes face to face, face with life's biggest challenges and quickly learns that real success and happiness don't always come easy. It's the third and final book in the F- Finding David series. And, um, you know, I'll give you the code after the break. So keep our uh, number at your fingertips. And our next song that's coming up is um, by jo- Jason Howard featuring uh, Lizzie Bailey, Emily Hearn, and Jill Deswan. And this song's called How Deep the Father's Love. Beautiful song.
You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the lost son. I promised a code to claim a copy of the book that we have on offer today. The book is called David's Triumph, and it's a children's book. So if there are any children you want to give a, a book to, here's a book that you could claim and pass it on to a, a child that um, can read and, and find find Jesus in these books. So um, the code is FOUND3, no spaces, FOUND3. And the number is 0488-880-891. So text FOUND3 to 0488-880-891 to claim this book. David's triumph. So Max, before the break, you agreed that Jesus was showing them that the real character of God was like through the way of the father in this parable, the way he acted towards his son. Uh, Could you explain what the relevance of that type of character and attitude is for us today? Mm, Yeah, thanks, Leo. Definitely can. So looking at the real character of God, I think it's relevant in every era, and that's really, really important. The stories in the Bible had really practical, immediate applications, so we have to remember that. Right through the Bible, it was being written to people right then, and it had an application for them then, as we've already looked at. But as Jesus was speaking directly to the Jews, Jewish leaders, and all other people present, in the wider context, the Bible is actually God's word to all mankind for all time. So in every story, there's a lesson to be learned that Jesus was teaching them, but there's also that lesson that it can apply to us or people in all generations. So the lessons that we learn from the story can be summarized a bit like this. The people who had been entrusted with God's truth had squandered them and walked away from God and his leading. So even to those who were not Israelites, um, they'd been given so many examples of what true religion was. Uh, um, But on the whole, they'd rejected God. For example, um, the people in uh, Jericho, they had known for hundreds of years, right from the time of Abraham, the nature and, and, and kindness of the true God, and yet they'd rejected him for hundreds of years. So when we get to the point where the children of Israel come in, there is only one family that wants to be saved. Everyone else gets lost. All right, so there's more to the background. Everyone, even non, um, non-Israelites, had seen what the true religion was like, true God was like, and they'd rejected him. Mm. So our 21st century application is not much different. Many have been called by God to follow him faithfully, are in our day leaving that calling and going back to old behaviours. I'm seeing it again and again, and it's very sad. It's very disappointing. They reject God and they do what they want. They're living it up, if you like, and it seems they are squandering all of the blessings that God had prepared for those who are his. However, even though some do this, It doesn't change God's behavior to us. The older son is displaying a works-based following of his father, if you like. He was resentful that the father forgave the brother and once again included this young boy, man probably, into his family. And uh, this attitude betrays the character that he has of selfishness and self-centeredness and self-righteousness too. He thinks, you know, I've been doing all these things. Myself, God should accept me, or the man, my my father should accept me. So the application for that today 
is for us to take an introspective look at ourselves. In other words, take a look. Take some time and look at yourself. How do we treat those who go astray and then return? Do we treat them like they've been cut off? They choose, they left, they've already had the blessings, we shouldn't be helping anymore. And they're undeserving of God's grace because we've been busy working for God and they've been idle or self-absorbed. And when they return, are we glad or are we resentful? That's, that's an introspective look. How are we treating other people? Mm. And then the reasons for celebration by the Father, regardless of all of this, and both the people and the leaders' rejections of God along the way, God was making it very, very clear through this parable that he didn't reject them. And the same is true for us today. No one will be lost, and I want you to hear this, no one will be lost who genuinely wants to be saved. Not not someone who wants to be saved but doesn't want to do what's required, or doesn't want to connect with God, doesn't want to do their own thing, I still want to be saved. No, that's not genuinely wanting to be saved. But no one who who <laughs> how can I put this? No one will be saved who really doesn't want to be saved. Right. Okay? <clears throat> I hope I've made that clear. Yeah. It's it's not God that prevents us from being saved. It's our own choices that keep us out of heaven. Jesus wants a relationship with us and he's done everything possible to save us. So in fact, when you look at this story, both sons were lost. Both sons were willingly lost. Mm. However, one chose to come back and the prodigal, the one that we call the prodigal lost son, actually is saved. He is saved by his choice because the father is willing to have both of them back. But the one, it's interesting, the other one, we're left wondering. We're left wondering whether he is saved. Mm. We're wondering whether he makes a choice to come in and celebrate at the party. And God is saying it's not too late for even him. There's still time for him to come in and choose. And as he's speaking to the leaders, he's saying it's not too late. There's even time for you. And there are some of those leaders that heard and responded and were saved. Nicodemus was one of them. Mm. So I bring you back to my opening illustration of a good lesson. <laughs> when I think about who Jesus was addressing, he was addressing the religious leaders who were complaining that Jesus was associating with sinners and the lost. These people, however, were actually coming back to Jesus to be saved, and he was accepting them back into the family, much like the prodigal son. It would appear that the Pharisees were represented by the older son who hadn't left home yet they were serving out of obligation rather than relationship. The offers left open um, for them to also be glad that the lost have been returned and recognise God's everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 mm. says that I love you with an everlasting love. As we see a story unfold and the lesson Jesus was teaching his first century audience has happened to me watching my father and what he did to my brother, we too in our day can learn the lesson that God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance Amen. through this teaching about the lost son. So won't you reconnect or connect with God today and together with him be glad for those who are being restored to his kingdom. Amen. God's grace is amazing. So next week on uh, the teachings of uh, Jesus Lost and Found, we have The Harvest. The, the Lost, lost Recovered. recovered. <laughs> and uh, we discover how God will eventually recover all those who are lost and have returned to him in this life. And so um, join me next week, next Wednesday. We have a, a surprise for you in that presentation. But um, that, that's coming next week. But we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. If you're lost, you can still 
be found. Uh, don't forget to uh, text through found three to claim the book David's Triumph. And for our last song, we're going out with uh, Dallas Home at my worst. Um, at my worst, you still found me. So, uh, Dallas Home, this is a beautiful song. And uh, again, I can't wait to uh, meet up with you again next week. Thank you, Max, again. God bless. You found me At my worst You died At my worst You loved me And at my worst You tried To tell me That the best thing I could do Would be to give Tell